Friends, today's message, <laughs> I'm so glad that God gave it to me, because he gave it, praise God. The title today is, Humility is the Way to Help. Humility is the Way to Help. Will you join me and open your scripture to Psalm 34, please? We'll read at least the first three, four, five verses in that popular passage of scripture. Are you ready? I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The what? The what? The humble shall hear thereof and be sad. No, no. Oh, I'm sorry. I misread that. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto Him and were enlightened and their faces were not ashamed. Read verse 6 with me. This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him, and saved him out of all his troubles. We're talking about humility is your way, or you could say your ticket to help. James 4 verse 10, by way of introduction, says this. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and... He shall lift you up. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves to the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with what? Humility. Humility. For God does what to the proud? He resists. He doesn't assist the proud. He resists the proud. And giveth grace to the humble. Let's move to Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 14. Unless you live on a remote island and have absolutely no way of communication. You are aware of the fact that the world is in horrific turmoil. On every level, mankind is under attack. And I'm here to tell you that help, whether it's for you, your family, your marriage, your business, your neighborhood, your nation, help starts... With humility. Let's look at Second Chronicles chapter 14, verse 14, uh, 7, verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall do what? Humble themselves and pray. Let me stop right there. Proud people don't pray. Proud people don't know 
how to ask for help. Proud people don't know when they're in trouble. They go about their life. Who me? I don't have a drinking problem. We need help desperately. And let me just start by saying this is an encouraging message. I felt everyone. I felt that. What we are facing in our nation, hear me now, is not a political problem. The problem here is not that there's one political party versus another political party. What we are facing today is not one group of people versus another group of people on one side or other of the aisle or one side or other of a badge. What we are facing today is a demonic strategy of the evil one. And I will start by saying that there is nothing new under the sun. And what I had in my spirit regarding the horrific developments where families are hurt, unconscionable acts done on both sides of the equation, is the passage of Scripture in Joshua 5, when Joshua was going up to battle, and he saw a warrior standing in front of him on the way with sword drawn. So he didn't recognize him, and he said to him, Are you, who are you? Are you with us? Or are you against us? In other words, are we going to get down here? Am I going to call? And you know what? It was the angel of the Lord. And he said, neither. I'm not on this side and I'm not on that side. I am the captain of the armies of the hosts of heaven. And humility came in. To play immediately, Joshua fell on his face is an act of surrender and humility. Let's go quickly to first, Second Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and, and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and do what? Heal, heal their land. It starts with humble, humbling yourself. Humility is a primary quality in the kingdom of heaven, in case you didn't notice. Allow me to point this out. The father stoops down to help the poor and the needy. I call that he's humbling himself. What is man that thou art mindful of him, said the psalmist, that you take notice of him, much less crown him with glory and honor. What is man? You see, God humbles himself. Wait till we get to some scriptures. I think it will really bless you. The incarnate son exhibits humility from the manger, which is probably the most humble of circumstances to the cross, even more humiliating. You couldn't get more humiliated than that. Humility is necessary to enter into the kingdom. Humility is the prerequisite for honor, according to the book of Proverbs. 
Humility is the precursor to deliverance in story after story after story. Humility is the foremost test of a truly great person, a truly great leader. They know and understand and empathize with the, with the lowly and the meek and those that are downtrodden. A great leader knows how to empathize and how to help such people. Somebody said amen. That's the mark of a true leader. It's the ingredient to successful relationships, both personal and professionally. Many of relationships have been ruined almost beyond repair, but I believe in miracles. Many relationships would be fixed if there was some humility in manifestation. Unfortunately, there's strife in manifestation, which many have said is the manifest presence of the devil. You see, when you're in strife, something comes over you. You begin to be unreasonable. You don't listen anymore. You come to a place where you just so hard in your heart, even something reasonable, you can't even hear it. Then you start acting stupid. Somebody say stupid. Husbands begin to do stupid things against their wives. Wives say, do stupid. I'm going to come over here and preach. All right, who said that? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, amen. I'll preach to this section in a while. Husbands do something that's stupid against their wife. But now I'm going to come over here. Sometimes wives do things that are stupid against their husband. Hard hearts. Sons and daughters, they do the same thing against their parents. We do silly things. And all that does is make the problem even more complicated. It muddies the water. In fact, sometimes people can't even remember what the problem was in the first place. But listen what God says about the humble in Isaiah 57. How many of you are having fun so far? Isaiah 57, 15 says this, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and the holy place. With him also, now notice there's two places that God says that he dwells. Number one is the highest place in the galaxy. And forgive me, Lord, it's beyond the galaxy. Because God, it's the seventh heaven. He dwells in the absolute highest place. And we're going there one day. Hallelujah. You've got Christ in your life. But there's another place that God dwells. Notice this juxtaposition. He says, but also with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit. The very highest place in all of creation and outside of creation, and outside of time and eternity, and then also the very lowest place, the one that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of what? The humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Friends, help starts with a spirit of humility. I'm picking up this line where I kind of dropped it off before him, but that is, we're not dealing with a political issue. What we're dealing with is a spiritual issue. A spiritual issue. And how do you deal with spiritual issues? Demonic forces. 
that bring division and anger and hurt to so many places. You deal with it in the spirit. That's how you do it. You take authority because according to my Bible, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wicked rulers of the uh, air, uh, prince of the power of the air. Amen. So let's let's move on. So God dwells not only in the highest place outside in the eternities, but also in the lowest place where there's the point of greatest need where people are humble. Let me read a few scriptures. Don't try to keep up or just hear these and let them bless you because we're trying to move along here. He, in 20, Psalms 25, 9, he says, He leads the humble in what is right, and the humble he teaches his way. Hear me now. Proud people are not teachable people. A proud person says, I don't want to hear it. Who do you think you are? Yeah. That's a proud spirit. But the humble, they'll hear and judge and hear the Lord speaking and take information and suggestions. Psalms 149, verse 4, Amplified Bible says, For the Lord takes pleasure in His people. He will beautify the glamorous. No? No. Really? He will beautify the celebrities. No? No? Okay. He will beautify the what? Humble with salvation and adorn the wretched with victory. Friends, today there is an an epidemic, not of the Zika virus or AIDS, but it's a an epidemic of pride, an insidious condition. I, uh, I want to quote something by Thomas Terrence, who is the uh, vice president of the ministry of C.S. Lewis Institute. Just about two and a half paragraphs. Would you please bear with me? Put your ears on. He's very eloquent, but he's not way over our head. Are you ready? Just, just listen to what this says. Because we need to make sure we're going to get the help. Our country needs help. Our cities need help, right? Our our, our officials need help. And dear God, we need help. Humility, the essential quality of the kingdom. It's It's foundational and more influential than we could ever imagine. Without it, we lay open to the ravaging influences of the spirit of pride. That's I wrote that. But but I just want to say before I read by Thomas Terrence that we are surrounded by a culture that celebrates the proud, the arrogant, and the self-absorbed. Every time, come on, every time you go shopping, you see all the latest. Trivia on the magazine rack of so-and-so that left so-and-so and who's dating so-and-so and who broke up with so-and-so and all this stuff. Like, we celebrate everywhere you go. Every time you open up a browser, you know, I won't mention any names. Pray for them. <laughs> Pray for them. The glamorous, the, quote, beautiful people of the world. Listen to this. In fact, what throughout history has been recognized as the deadliest of vices is now almost celebrated as a virtue in our culture. Pride and arrogance are conspicuous even among some religious leaders. The rich, the powerful, the successful, the famous, celebrities of all sorts. And it is also alive and well in ordinary people, including some of us. Turn to your neighbor and say, maybe. (laughs) Okay, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yet few of us realize how 
dangerous it is of our soul, to our souls and how greatly it hinders our intimacy with God and love for others. Humility, on the other hand, is often seen as weakness. And few of us know much about it or pursue it. For the good of our souls, then, we need to gain a clearer understanding of pride and humility and how to forsake the one and embrace the other. Somebody take a breath. Say amen. Amen. In the Bible, we see the outworking of pride and unbelief in the affairs of individuals, families, nations, and cultures. As people lose or suppress the knowledge of God, sounds like Romans chapter 1, spiritual darkness grows and a psychological inversion occurs. In their thinking, God becomes smaller and they become larger. The center of gravity in their mental lives shift from God to themselves, self. They become the center of their world. God is conveniently moved to the periphery, either through the denial of his existence, and many people deny God. And don't, according to Romans chapter 1, I like the Amplified Version, says, they don't even count him worth the knowing. I mean, take him out of the school, take him out of the government, take him out of the media. We're tired. We don't want God. We don't need God. We don't need help. Through denial of his existence or a distortion of his character, self-importance and godless self-confidence grow stronger. The cycle that follows, listen carefully, is familiar. People exalt themselves against God and others. You see, you don't just exalt yourself against God. When you exalt yourself against God, the immediate byproduct of that or the co-byproduct of that is that you also put other people down. So the growth of self-importance in your life, like God's not important, neither is my fellow man. Neither are certain groups of people. I'm important. I'm just saying. It's true what he's saying. Now listen. Self-importance and godless self-confidence grow stronger. The cycle that follows is familiar. People exalt themselves against God and over others. Pride increases. Arrogant and or abusive behavior ensues. Is that what we've seen? Have we seen abuses? Have we? And people suffer. Are people suffering today? On both sides of the aisle. All over our nation and the world. People are suffering. Let me read a few scriptures quickly before we move ahead. You still with us today? We won't hold you all day. Just most of the day. (laughs) Proverbs 16, 18 says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 11.2 says, When pride cometh, then cometh shame, but with the lowly is wisdom. Proverbs 29.23, A man's pride will bring him low, but honor will uphold the humble in spirit. May I also read Proverbs, it bears saying, Proverbs 6.16-19 in the Amplified Bible says this, These six 
things the Lord hates. Indeed, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, listen carefully, a spirit that makes one overestimate himself and underestimate others. A lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that manufactures wicked thoughts and plans, feet that are swift into running to evil. But look at this one, false witness that breathes out lies. And he who sows discord among the brethren. My Lord, we have ep- epidemics of this running wild. People suspicious of one another. But I'm going to, I'm going to skip over to, uh, I'm going to skip over to uh, that scripture that we did. Yeah, I'm going to go there. Let's go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Let's go here. Hallelujah. While you're turning to Second Chronicles 20, you know that that's about Jehoshaphat and all that. I want to just point something out. Did you know that in Mark 9, 33 to 35, did you know that the disciples were coming with Jesus? They came to Capernaum. When he was on, in the house, he asked them, what were you talking about on the road or arguing about? And they kept quiet because on the way they argued who was the greatest. Really? For real, sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and says, If anyone wants to be first, he must be very last and the servant of all. I mean, this this one takes the cake for me, okay? We're talking about communion, the last supper, okay? Communion. And he took bread and break it and gave thanks. Oh, hallelujah. You know, Luke 22 in the upper room. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. 19 through 20. Luke 22, and he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave it to them saying, this is my body and you know the rest. Likewise, the cup and all this stuff. And just a few verses later in verse 24, and there was also a strife among them. Which of them should be accounted the greatest? Like, what? We're talking about the Lord's Supper. Are you serious? Give me a break. They're saying, who's greater? Like, okay, excuse me. uh, Really? And then Jesus corrects them. You know, God bless Jesus. I mean, he just really had patience with them. Aren't you glad there's hope for us? And then this is what Jesus says in verse 25 of that one. He says, and he said to them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and they exercise authority over them that are called called benefactors. But he says, but you shall not be so. In other words, don't follow that example. He that will be greatest among you, let him be as the younger and as... And he that is chief that does serve. Does that sound like humility to anybody in the room besides me? And then he says, for whether it is greater he that sits at meat or he that serves is not he that sitteth at meat. But here I am, Jesus said. Here I am. Are you kidding me? You guys are arguing about who's greatest. Okay. Get it, guys. Here I am. I'm serving you. Okay. Humility in the kingdom of God. All right. So Second Chronicles. Remember, humility is your first step to help. It came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon and all them besides the Ammonites came against Jehoshaphat to battle. And may I say that there's nothing new under the sun. There are, there are demon spirits and people that are inspired by demon spirits coming against you. Your family, your kids, your marriage, your city, your schools, your nation. 
And uh, so what did Jehoshaphat do? This great multitude that came against him. Verse 3. And Jehoshaphat feared. And what did he do? He set himself in verse 3 to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast through all of Judah. Now he doesn't mention it specifically, but I want you to know that you do not seek the Lord and you don't get yourself to ask help of the Lord unless you're praying. Is that right? And you don't, proud people don't pray because proud people, they don't, I don't have a problem. It's their problem. Proud people are just too proud to ask for help. Dear Lord, let's allow ourselves to be humble enough to get the help we need. And before the end of service, I, I guess we've got about 10, 15 minutes here to go. But I trust God will challenge you to walk in humility and thus be exalted. He wants to exalt you. He wants to help you. And Judah, verse 4, gathered themselves together to ask help of who? And even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and in the house of the Lord before the new court. And by the way, he just started quoting things that were true. That's humility. Just acknowledge the truth. You're God. We get it. You're God. Now, you gave us this word and you said that if we came to this place and we humbled ourselves and called on your name, you would help us. That's humble. That's humility. He wasn't saying, help, what help? I don't need this. I got this. How many people say, I got this, have lost their family? People say, I got this, have lost their kids. Come on. You don't got this. We don't have a handle on this. We need God's help. Amen. So then he goes on to say, in verse 12, Oh God, will not not judge them, for we have no might against this great company. He acknowledged his inability Proud people don't like to admit their weaknesses. Let's wake up. Not a one of us is perfect in everything we do. But we're pressing toward the mark, the prize of the high calling. We are forgiven. And the spirit of grace is in operation through our lives. Is that right? And make no mistake, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. But it's through Christ. See, we can't do it ourselves. We have no might. You can't fix your marriage. You can't fix your marriage. All the talking in the world can't fix your marriage without God. Hallelujah. You need God in the center of it. So he said, we have no might. He didn't say, well, I got this about 30%, but if you could, I got 60%. Can you handle the other amount? That's not what he said. He said, I got nothing. What will it take for the body of Christ to stop being so self-absorbed and think that they have it all figured out to, to get to the place where we humble ourselves and say, we got nothing. Somebody's got to do that. Somebody's got to hit their knees, humble themselves before God and say, we got a problem in the USA and it's got to be the church. Hallelujah. And it says in verse 13 that, oh, oh, and it goes on to say in verse 12, neither know we what to do, but our eyes are on you. That's all you need to know, friends. You just need to know where to put your eyes. You need to know that your help from, comes from the Lord, that he, the, the one in the eternity of eternities, he, the moment you humble yourself, whew, he's right there. Can you see that? 
Can you see this massive, like, a person that's brokenhearted that kneels before God that says, God, I don't know what to do. I just, God, I just come to you and I have these scriptures and everything, but I, I, I don't know what to do, God. I just come before your presence. I worship you. I'm trusting you. Help. We'll look to the hills, said the psalmist. From whence cometh my help. Amen. And so you all know the rest of the story, and I won't hold you much longer, but I'm going to, I'm going to say just a few things. We really need to cultivate humility in order to get the help not only for our own lives, but for our nation and for our families, for our moms, our dads, our kids. Somebody's got to humble themselves. And so, lest you should think that Pastor Tom is above, and I'm preaching something that I just made up last night, which I didn't, I'm just sharing just a few things just so you can see how this works. Because if I'm not doing it, then why should you do it? But I want to be an example. And I've already asked my wife if it's okay. And she said yes. In about 2004, 2005, the real estate market was hot. I mean, it was hot. And, wow, we had a lot of equity and stuff. And I said, you know what? I feel like I want to do something. We need to do something. I feel like, you know, let's invest or something. Like, you can't go wrong with real estate or something. I mean, isn't that what everybody's doing? Sometimes you don't need to do what everybody's doing. You better pray. Dear Lord, did I figure that out? So we did something really stupid. (laughs) We jumped out and bought rental property rental property and can I just be honest with you $400,000 that's crazy are you serious rental property I jumped out and you know the banks are all ready to sign you on the dotted line and can I just be honest and transparent before you that felt pretty good says well you know the Lord is helping us I thought you know we're going to have an inheritance for our children's children here and This is the way to do it. Man, I'm telling you, thank God he's enabled us to do this, you know. Jumping into a bunch of loans, I'm a million dollars in debt almost. But hey, you know, you know, I wasn't listening to the prophets. Remember, a lot of the prophets in the land prior to that, a decade before that, and leading up to it were saying, get out of debt, get out of debt. But I, they still say that, right? But uh, some of others, we were, we were listening to another drummer, I guess. So I just be honest with you, it felt pretty good. Like, well, yeah, you know, we've, we've joined the ranks of <clears throat> those that <clears throat> have a <clears throat> rental property. Yeah, you know. And I felt pretty good for about a month. <laughs> Until I couldn't find a renter. <laughs> and I'm carrying two loans. And it's starting to pick up steam. I'm like, well, um, hmm. Uh, well, uh, so I, I just asked my uh, realtor, just grab anything you could find. And they grabbed us a renter to go in there. And oh, my Lord. I, I kind of woke up and I realized, you have made a mess. You're in a mess. You're in a mess. And right about then, the real estate market went. <laughs> Is that right, Ray? Man, was I, you never saw somebody humble themselves so much and says, God, I am so sorry. 
I thought, I thought this was the way to go. It wasn't the way to go. I got, some, I got some of your attention. But a lot of you know the story already. God enabled us through faith to get out of that mess. Yes, I sold that property. Thank God. I wish I had time to tell you, but I told the story before. I had, I, thank God I had a realtor that was a faith person. And nobody came to the open house. And they say, you're going to have to drop the price another $20,000. you are going to have to drop the price another $10,000. you have to drop the price another $10,000. Like, serious? I don't want to hear from that person no more. But you know, faith, catch this. Humble yourself to pray and speak the word of the Lord. And humbling yourself in the process will help you. We had, and having people that are joined with you in Lock Shields. Our realtor, with no one coming to the open houses. You know, they didn't just sit there and say, well, I guess nobody wants these cookies. Might as well as us eat the cookies. You know, those realtor opens, you got cookies and all that. You know what they did? They walked around the house and they prophesied, we call you sold in the name of Jesus. We call you sold. We call, we don't need a lot of people. We just need that one person. We call it sold in the name of Jesus. We call it sold. So we call them up. And we'd say, like, so how was the open house today? Did anybody come in? Like, no. But we prayed. I says, okay, let's keep it. And that happened weekend after weekend. Then a couple bites. We got a couple bites, but nobody. And they dropped the price another 20000 No, you've got to be kidding me. But God sold it. We were able to get out from under it. We were underwater. My wife will tell you, we were tempted to toss and turn. We didn't know if we were going to end up on the street. But thank God he rescued us. Hallelujah. I said he rescued us. He did a miracle for us. He did more than one miracle for us. I had the bank reach me and said, we want to do something for you. I said, you do? And they, they made me an offer that was amazing. I mean, this wasn't because I applied for nothing. Just the bank contacted me. We prayed. In the shower. Yeah, Chase, Chase, Chase. I was praying Chase in the shower for a long time. This is when we didn't even have Chase. We had Washington Mutual. But then Washington Mutual was purchased by Chase. And I don't really want to go into too much of that mess because some of you have had enough of that. I prayed. And then they called us and they said, this has got to be a joke. They want to give me debt forgiveness, da-da-da. God did a miracle. Not only did they do debt forgiveness one wave, two waves of debt forgiveness. It was all a miracle from God. And today we're no longer underwater. And praise God, I don't have to wear James's jeans. I have a clothes budget. Hallelujah. <laughs> I love you, James, but I have to buy my own jeans now. But there's something else that we did. We had to recognize that we needed help. So I heard that Financial Peace University was coming around, and I just felt prompted, i got to do something. I felt like those lepers, do something, just do something. So there you are, you're looking at me, and you got financial stress, and you know Financial Peace University is coming up soon. And this is my little boop for Financial Peace University. You need to place yourself, humble yourself enough to get under a place where somebody can speak into your life to help you manage what you've got so you could come out the other side. So we went for 13 weeks. I called you the night they were open. I says, honey, I think we're supposed to go. She goes, what? Starts in 30 minutes. I'm going. You're going with me? She goes, oh, really? So she rushed over here from San Leandro. We're going to hear from God. You know what? That's one of the better moves we made. Listen, church, I'm not saying that you have to go to every small group that comes up, but dear Lord, pray about the groups that happen because there's a group in this church for where you are at. 
And just because you say you are busy does, is, no, is not going to help you because, dear Lord, I can feel my wife's eyes rolling up. We do not need another thing to do. And yet, if you always do the same thing you always did, you're going to end up with the same thing you always... Right, Pastor Nancy? So we went to Financial Peace University and we learned how to start refining our budget and using cash instead of credit cards and other things like this. Is that right? Did God turn it around? He turned it around. So we were faithful to submit ourselves. Now, the other story, so I shared with you about Financial Peace University, the financial thing. I had a professional challenge. I mean, I've been here over 30 years, and I was, I was feeling the stress. And I, I love my pastors. They really can, they're really watchful over their congregation. They're also watchful over their staff. And, they, and he knew that I needed to make a few adjustments. But so so he, was, he just picked that up. And he said, we want to help you. So, so he helped Pastor Tom to get counseling. <gasps> Pastor Tom. You went to counseling? Yes. I went to a professional counselor to help me to manage my crazy life. Because I, maybe they just might be able to help me some. And God bless Lauren Thompson who, who gave me real good counsel. He says, you know, you can help people, but you can't go to that far. Don't get in the canoe with people. Stay on the shore and throw them a lifeline. But if you lose your footing and get in the canoe with them, you're going down with them. I'll never forget the canoe story that Lauren told me. That helped me professionally. I got help. And he told me, you don't have to answer every call. You can't, you know, it's okay to not have to answer the phone all the time and return all the calls. It can wait till the next day. You need time off. You're burning the candle at both ends. So I thank God for my power. Then they also work with us. I'm going to share, this is my final story. I think. (laughs) You have to recognize, be humble. Humble enough to recognize when you need help. I had a friend, our, my dear friend Paul and Didi Vernosi, came up to me, I don't know, years ago, I guess 10 years ago, might have been 15, 10 or 15 years ago. He said to me, I mean, I say hi to Paul and love him well, and I know he loves me well enough. He said, what are you doing for your marriage? And uh, I said, huh? It's like, we, we haven't had these kind of conversations, you know, like, I'm the pastor, Right? <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> really? Uh, okay, um, well, actually, uh, well, um, he goes, so he, he just lovingly said, he said, you know, I want to invite you to couple together. He was led. He was led. And then I said, I started opening my heart because I wanted to be not proud, but... Humble. Where does help start when you are... So I started examining my heart and I said, you know, where's that honeymoon thing? What happened to the sweetness? We're, we're doing okay, so it's not like we're fighting or nothing, but I really want, we need to bring this up a notch or two. I mean, you've been married for 25 to, I don't know how many years that might have been then. By the way, we'll be celebrating our 37th year, hallelujah, this year. Thank you for your patience. So I said, I have it in my heart. Because, see, I was, on, I was on a roll here. I said, I have it in my heart. We should go to couple together. And 
I mean, Kimberly's like the rest of them. She says, I do not need another thing to do. Like, you can see the eyes roll back. You know, they, the same behind every great man, there's a woman rolling up her eyes. <laughs> Should I get close? Where, which camera's on? Let's turn this camera. I'll get real close. Like, oh. So we, start, we went, you know, and I don't know which round that was, you know, but we, we went to, to some things. And, and, you know, the first time we went, and I'm in faith. I'm praying over our marriage. I want to bring this to another level. Because, you know, if you're not growing, you're losing ground. That's right. And I says, you're right. I've got to fall in love with this girl in a fresh way here. We need, we need help. We need help. And uh, we're attending their thing, and, you know, the dog bit her and stuff. And <laughs> says, well, that went well. <laughs> Stupid little dog. Oh, sorry, sorry, Dee. Sorry, Paul. May that dog rest in peace. That little dog's gone anyway. But little Yorkie just like acting all sweet and all then bitter. Like, oh, Lord. It's all right, all right. It's, that dog's gone. That dog's gone. That went well. So we're on, the, we're on the drive home, and I could feel my wife rolling her eyes in her head like, really? Is this really helping us? But I had something in my heart. I knew I needed help. See, don't wait till you hit the bottom. You could tell, catch it, catch it, catch it, friends, early on. So here's what happened. In one of the meetings, it might have been the third, the third meeting or, or fourth, Paul said something that stuck with me. It had nothing to do with the videos. He just kind of shared something because he's anointed to help people with their marriages. He said, you know, the, uh, there's a, I, I want to remind everybody of a story here, and that was there was a group of college kids and uh, this, person, this person leading this group went to, to all the gals and said, when do you know that you're ready to be married? I guess the question came up. Because you're ready to be married when, you when you're ready to drop everything you're doing right just immediately and go do what your spouse wants you to do. The way they want to do it and when they do it. Just, just go to serve them. Just do it without, without delay. That's when you know you're ready to be married. It was like... Oh, well, these, these are kids that have never been married, you understand. And then, and then they went over to the guys, and they, the same question, well, here's a good question. When do you know that you're ready to be married? And people, oh, you do this, you know this, you know the list is right. You got your education, you got your job, everything. It's okay, this is how it is. You know you're ready to be married when you're ready to drop everything and do what she says, when she wants it, the way she wants it. Oh, somebody got excited over there. Well, and to that, my dear sister, I say, well. So we're driving home, and, you know, maybe she wasn't rolling her eyes back in her head. But um, I heard that. That went into my spirit, what Paul said. And the following weekend, we were working. We have a fairly large land, bigger than most lots. And uh, the weeds were crazy. You know, we have milkweed. I think that's the, the weed from hell. And uh, <laughs> they grow big, and you, try, you don't water them, and they go, ha, ah, and the, 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 the roots are real deep and everything. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm fighting them with them with a, with a smaller one. It's the lawnmower, and it's getting hot. And my dear wife is over there with a little pick in the back 40. And then uh, I finish one run and I pull out the, the thing from the lawnmower. I'm dumping the cuttings and stuff. And she said, honey, can you come over here and help me with this? This was really hard. 
I said, I said, yeah, sure, absolutely. And then I said, um, I said this. I said, yeah, but you know, I said, but you know, the sun's coming up, and you know, it's really hard to push this lawnmower when the sun comes up. It's real hard, man. So I'll tell you what. Let's just let me get a couple more rounds in, and then I'll come and help you. And she goes, yeah, okay. So she's over there. <laughs> And I'm starting up the lawnmower. And then God spoke to me. He said, you're going to miss it. You're going to miss it. I said, okay, that's the Lord, not the lawnmower. What am I going to miss? He says, then he said to me, are you ready to be married? Do you know what OMG means? <laughs> I stopped everything. And I walked back to the back 40 where she was. <laughs> We're going to have an illustrated sermon here. She's on her knees. She's looking at the bottom of my boots. Or, I mean, she's looking at my boots. She, so she looks up and she goes, Yeah, can I help you? What, what? She goes, what? And I said to her, I said, I'm ready to be married now. After 25 to 27 years of marriage, I said, I'm ready. I'm ready to be married. I dropped everything. And something weird happened. It came over both of us. We just began to weep. We're saying, what's going on? What's, what's happening to us? It was like we were enveloped in something. Things were just falling off of us like years of years. It wasn't strife. It was just we hadn't given each other the place that we needed to. And we just embraced and wept and wept. And then I said, let me help you with that. And oh my Lord, those weeds were horrible. I told you they were the weeds from hell. <laughs> it was hard. But as we were digging those things out, I didn't get to share this in the first service. It was like, I heard the Spirit of God saying, boy, you're digging out those roots that go deep into your life and now you've got a fresh start. Congratulations to the next 30 years. Hallelujah. That simple little story illustrates the fact that if I was too proud to get input from my friend Paul, what are you talking about? I'm the pastor here. I would have missed it if I had not prayed and sought the Lord and been honest to see that I had a problem and sought help, and then do something to position myself where there's an anointing for that help, I wouldn't have got that breakthrough. And then, it came all the way to when the manifestation was happening. I, I didn't know what was going to happen. Did you know what was going to happen? It was absolutely stunning. Super, it was supernatural. Like the heaven opened. It was like all this stuff was on us. I'm not saying demons or nothing, nothing like that, but just like 
Some of you may feel like demons have to get off your kids or your husband or wife, but the humble, the humble, friends, the humble. Let's be tender in heart, humble enough to hear the Spirit and the promptings of God and understand humility is the first step for fixing what ails our lives, our families' lives, our schools, our cities, our nation, and our world. I return to Psalm 34 as I close. Don't be too somber now. I will bless the Lord at how many times? All times. His praise. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I've often told people that work with me, and they will attest to this. I don't care where the information comes from. We're not in an ego trip here. I mean, I've been to college. I've done a lot of research. I've done a lot. But when I hear, when we have a need, I don't care who it comes from. I want it. I want to hear what's the solution to this. I want the wisdom of God. It doesn't matter. Male, female, boy or girl, 40 years old, 80 years old, 16, 13. When I hear the wisdom of God, I'm taking it. Not too proud. That's a work of God. I sought the Lord and He heard me and delivered me from all of my fears. They looked unto Him. Who are we looking to? church to the Lord they looked to him and were enlightened their faces were not ashamed this poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles I got a question for you do you think God cares enough about you to save you out of all your troubles you better know he is is that all right today I've I've held you long enough hallelujah